following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. I want you just to have a quick recap. We started way back. We started with the foundation, right? Because we said, okay, if we're in a building program, you know, God has given us some great analogies that are happening right now. We're building a building, and we're, we're, we're not going to call it the church. We're going to call it the Praise and Worship Center. And the reason we're calling it that is because of what's going on in this story. Because we have this idea of temples and churches, and we all grew up in a world where the temple is the holy place, and you go to the church to be holy and all these things. And No, 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 no. The Bible has been teaching us each of these four weeks The foundation of the church is Jesus. The cornerstone of the church is Jesus. The the, um, the builders of the building are the people sent by Jesus. And the building is us. That's what he says last week. And this week, the glory. Oh, now that's interesting. See, a lot of people will say, "Why why do you believe in God? What do you do? What do you hope that God will get out of it? Well, like, I hope that he will get the glory. That's an interesting thing. And I'm gonna challenge that a little bit. I mean, in one sense, it's true. Apostle Paul says it. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. But what is the glory of God? So I think we just all kind of grow up and we're like, well, the glory of God is, I don't know, it's where he's happy and he's happy with me, I guess. Mm, this says something different. Let's take a look really fast. Revelation 21.1. I saw, the apostle John says, a new heaven and a new earth. And this is the first thing I bet a lot of us didn't grow up thinking. We just thought, when you die, you go to heaven. Yay! And, and yes, because of Jesus, when you die, you will be with him in heaven because that's where he is. But he's also here because heaven is here. And this is the part that we don't always grasp because we're always asking when we pray, Lord, <laughs> just like they said in the Bible Project video, Lord, and we're praying the prayer and we're like, may let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what we pray. And that's why it's so important that we understand the new creation is heaven and earth. So when you, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been like mountain climbing or hiking in the woods or you've been to the beach. Some of you guys were at the beach really recently. And so you're, you're, when you're, whenever you were at the beach, you know, you're at these special places. You're like, this is beautiful. You're, you might even be compelled to say, this is kind of like heaven. You're not wrong to say that. These, you know, if you go like Yosemite or, you know, or some amazing vista and you're like, wow, you know, that's because God's design is not to get rid of the earth. He wants a new one, the way it should have always been, without the brokenness, without the failure, without the sin and the death and and all the things that that there are. Where where he's talking, he's envisioning this earth where the lion no longer eats the antelope, but he lays down with them and they cuddle at night and they tell stories about Jesus, right? This is what he's envisioning. So he's talking about a new heaven, a new earth where there is no death. And so he says, and I saw that the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Now the word sea there, you're like, I thought we got the beach. You know, does that mean no more beaches? No, 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 no. In the story of the Bible, especially in prophetic literature, the sea represents death. Because if you were alive in their time, you you might go to the beach. Yeah, that would be great. But if you went on a ship, you know, that was like a 50-50 thing. I mean, that was not a, a safe bet. And so the sea represented death. It represented chaos and the cauldron of darkness. And so that language there is indicating to us that what there will not be anymore is the fear of dying or the 
the threat of chaos and destruction. There will be no more tidal waves that come and sweep away villages. All of that is gone. All of that is gone. Take a look at verse three. Now you gotta watch out because this is MLV. That's Mark's literal version. And the reason it's important here is because there's some words here I want to bring out and zoom in on. He says right there, remember we were paying attention and when he sees, when he hears, he goes, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. And we get the kind of behold in the old, you know, in the King Jimmy, it's behold, right? And so, so it's look, look at this, the tabernacle. See, it's the same word as what we saw when Jesus, it says Jesus you know, came, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Here it says the tabernacle of God is, and in the English it says with. But what's interesting is the word is meta here. Now, meta in Greek is kind of an interesting word. It certainly means with, but there's a more generic word for with if you were just going to say that. This word carries on a little bit more. It's like with and among and around and um, in the midst of, and it includes all of these aspects. It's like, it's, it's, it's if, if you thought of a village, right? Where you were all living in the village together and it's, and it's not just like going over to visit. You're living in the village together. That's what meta, meta means here. He's going to be with us, living with us. Like when you're out doing the laundry, you're like, hey, I'm not doing laundry in heaven. I get that, I get that. But if you were doing it and you loved it, somehow in the new earth and new heaven, it'll be great. I don't know how that works, but, but it will be. He's going to be there with it. Maybe that'll make what's great. You're like, imagine if you're just like doing the laundry and Jesus is there folding it. I mean, that's be pretty crazy. But that's exactly what we're talking about. He's going to live with us. He's going to participate in life with us. He does now, but we can't always experience the fullness. What we experience in part will in that day be full. And look what he says. He goes, he go, and, the, and, you know, and the meta is this idea is like if you're t- having a conversation over coffee, that's, that's meta. That's in with, around, amidst, all these things. They will be his people, and God himself will, will meta them. He will be with them. He will be amongst them. He will live in their midst and, and be their God. This was his design in the very beginning. If you turn to page one of the Bible, that's where we started our year here at Praise and Worship. January one, we started on page one. And here we're at the end of the year, we're on the last page of the Bible. And it's this idea, this desire, idea all along, he wants to be with us. He wants to do life with us. Even right now, he wants to do life with you and with me. And he is, he is our God. Take a look at verse four. We always talk, we were talking last night at the grind. We were like, hey, let's talk about the end of the world. And everybody always gets kind of like, I don't know if I want to talk about that or not. But what's interesting, it's really the end of the old. Because the world's going to persist, but it won't be the world like we know it. It's the end of the old world. He will wipe away every tear. Do you see why we have to read these words today? Who here has tears? And I'm not talking about tears of joy. I get those too. I'm talking about the kind that bend you over at night. And they make your heart come on fire, and then you're just like, how is this going to work out? Some of us have been talking a lot about tears. Some of us have been feeling it right now. He's going to wipe all of them away, all of them. There will be no more death. This is the promise of God. There will be no mourning. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. And you and I just can't even fathom that because especially the older you get, the more you just pain, right? You just pain, everything hurts, right? And then the weather, you always know the weather's coming long before the weather, man. You always know it, right? You can feel it. And this is what he, this is gonna be gone. All of that's gonna be gone. Can you imagine being able to run for like 10 hours straight and never take a break? That's what we're talking about. Can you imagine being able to go out and play football all day long and then never feel any suffering or pain from all those hard hits? Because you're just, there won't be any. Because the old order of things has passed away. 
I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they're like, do you actually believe that stuff? I'm like, dude, if, it, if we ain't got this, we ain't got nothing. Eat, drink, and marry, because tomorrow you die. I mean, this is everything. This is the promise of God. This is why the book, of, the book that we're reading from is called Revelation. It's, it, in Greek, the word is apocalypse. That's where we get our apocalyptic words, right? That's where they come from. But it, what, what it, apocalypse means in Greek is not the end of the world, but the pulling back of the curtain. Look at what it's going to be like. If this is the revealing, this is showing what it's going to be, what he'd been promising all along, the way everything was supposed to have been all along. We have this belief that you can look back in your life and you can find your regrets, you can find your things that make you sad, the things that make you feel yucky. Do you have any of those feelings where you think about that moment with the way you behaved or the way you handled the situation and it just causes you to almost throw up in your mouth? I mean, you're just like, ugh, I didn't do that right and I wish I could go back. This will be all of that. It will be like going back to before it ever happened, but it better than it, as if it, it never did, right? And that's exactly what this thing, the old order of things is going to pass away. The devil will come to you and me and he will say like, you are just junk. Where do, you, where do you get off thinking this? He will say to you like someone said to me not long ago, do you actually believe this stuff? And why does he want us to not believe this? Because this is his future too. And he ain't there. He is down in the lake of sulfur, burning fire. That's where he's going to be for all eternity, and he will never touch us. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. Look at verses 9 and 11, 9 through 11. Now, this is also MLV because I want you to not miss this. He says, come here. I'm a, come here. He's like, come here. Come here. I want to show you something. This is what he's doing. He's like, I want to show you. Look at what I'm going to show you. And he shows him the bride. This is the wife of the lamb. And you know who he's showing, the Apostle John? He's pointing at you. He's pointing at you. You guys are the wife of the Lamb. And I know that sounds a little strange. Check it out in more detail, Ephesians chapter 5. It's in your dig deeper, it's a little shameless plug. Um, you go to Ephesians 5 and you see a little more understanding of that, but the idea is this is the bride of Christ. They're the wife of the Lamb. He gave his whole self to rescue his bride. Every single human being who ever lived that put their trust in what God has done for them in Jesus is in the bride. They're, they're, they're the bride. They're the wife of the lamb. And look, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And some of the translations just, ugh, they, they indicate that it's like somehow like a reflecting of the, no, 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 they have. It's echo. It's a simple Greek word. It means you have it. And it's a present tense participle, which everybody's like, woo. And that's, but it's so important because it's something that the bride of Christ now has. And what does the bride, the lamb, now have? What is it? The orange words. Read them to me. The glory of God. Please believe this. If you go through life thinking, well, I'm just, I'm, yeah, there's nothing special about me. That, that's just a lie. That's a lie from the devil. The truth is you have the glory of God. We've been saying it for four weeks. Remember? Remember? Foundation is Jesus. And who is the church? Oh, there you go. That's the people, right? And then the next one, the cornerstone is Jesus, and who is the temple? Oh, yeah, the people, right? And, and God's glory, his spirit dwells in their bodies. He dwells in your body. You have the glory of God. Now, what's crazy, just bonkers, is take this fact 
Now go back and read something like Isaiah, something like Jeremiah, something like Ezekiel. These prophets, when they're talking about the glory of God leaving the temple and the glory of God coming back, this is where it comes back to. comes back to you, to me. This is the return through Jesus, through what he has done. All of the story of the entire Bible coming and culminating in this moment. This is God's climax. It is his absolute victory. You and me being his bride because of what happened on Christmas, because of what began that day. Rich Mullins sang it best. You know, it's just this idea on Christmas Day, the day the old world started dying, and the day the new world started coming on. And I admit, we don't have all of the glory yet in the sense that we can't see it all the time. We don't feel it very often. We're kind of like, I don't know if this is real. And we have all those, that angst that goes with a broken world, right? But the truth is, that yes, we have it now, and with every, every passing day, the more and more it's being revealed. We talked about, a lot of people don't remember this, but Romans chapter eight is a pretty strong end of the world passage. You're like, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is, it's also in your dig deepers. Go read it. It's one of these passages that say, we're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Take a look at verses three and four. This is how it's gonna be forever. No longer will there be any curse the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Two things to note here. A lot of times you might look at that and you're like, wait, we're gonna be servants? What kind of heaven is that? Yeah, it's a heaven where you don't have to serve the devil anymore. You're like, I don't serve the devil. Yeah, probably you and I, me more than anyone in this room probably struggles with that because what the, if the devil can get us our eye off the ball, get us to focus on the wrong things, get us to do the wrong things, then we are serving him. And we live in a world where there's two sides to this war and both sides are trying to pull us back, right? And, and may I just say, what, this, what it talks about servants will serve, there's no more war. There's no more pulling back. We're free. And see, we know this to be true. Very next sentence, they will see his face. No one can see the face of God unless they die in this world, but in there we will see his face and his name will be on our forehead, on our foreheads. That means no one will question who we are. You won't question who you are. No one else will question, we just will know because Jesus' name will be on our foreheads. The name of Jesus is on your forehead right now. That's why when we, why when we baptize, we'll always put a cross right on somebody's head because it's like this, what it is. Your name, his name, I should say, is on your foreheads. This fulfills the prophecy of Jeremiah 33. The prophecy of Jeremiah 33 says, you know, there will come a day when you won't even have to tell anyone about Jesus. They'll already know. That's because this will be true. Take a look at verses, verse 17, I should say. He says this, he says, the spirit and the bride will say, come. They say, come. That is, the spirit is inviting all the people of the world, and so is the bride, the church. We're like, come, come. Come to Christmas Eve service. You know, for those of you who aren't traveling, come to Christmas Eve service, light some candles with us, sing some songs. We're saying come, right? Tell your neighbors, come to Christmas Eve service with us. You know, people are like, I don't like, Christian, or, I don't like Christmas and Easter Christians. Are you kidding me? That's, if they'll come anytime, I'll take them. That's what we're supposed to do. This is the fulfillment of the free gift. Look what he says. And let him who, let him who hears. See, somebody's going to listen. Somebody's going to listen. And then they're going to hear, and they're going to say come. And whoever's thirsty... See, the question isn't whether you're good or bad. The question is, are you thirsty or not? And last time I checked, we're all thirsty. Now that I've said that, we're actually really thirsty now. Let them come. And whoever wishes, wishes them, let them, and there's that Greek word, lambano. 
See, this is where we always get it messed up. Lambano, it can mean a lot of different things, but this context, there's no change what it means. It means receive. It means receive what you've already been given. It's already yours. Just don't throw it away. You've been given the, uh, the inheritance of the Almighty God, a free gift, the water of life. It's a free gift. What kind of gift is it? Free. free. Don't make it into something it's not. That's the devil talking. Verse 21. Now, this is also MLV, because what's interesting is different, there's, there were, in the history of the book of Revelation, there was, there was a part of it that came out of the Byzantine stuff. And don't worry, this is only 10 seconds and I'm off this topic. There was the Byzantine manuscripts and they had this business about how you had to do it only for God's people. No, 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 no. But that's, that's the only ones. All the rest of them say this. And guys, this is the last verse of the Bible. This is the last statement of the Bible. And what is the last statement of the Bible should be our first statement. And if you've been to church for many years, you've heard this statement many times. It's the last statement in the Bible, and it's a promise. The grace. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense, yes, but more importantly, it's the things you don't deserve. The things I don't deserve. That's what God gives freely to you and to me. The grace of the Lord Jesus. Be with how many people? Everyone. It's pantas in Greek. It means everybody, everywhere. Everybody, everywhere. And then, of course, there's that last word. If you've ever, you, you can win trivial pursuit with this. What's the last word in the Bible? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you that you would indeed let this amen be said and that you would root this promise in our hearts. Let us never forget these images. Let us never stray from the promises that you freely give to us. Let us all drink from the living water that pours out and gushes all over us and creates a river, the river of life that flows through our communities. Let us believe the promise and do the work of the Father, Jesus, which you proclaimed to be to believe in the one whom he has sent. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, that we pray to you, to the Father, to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.